You're listening to a documentary on labor issues brought to you by MediaWorks, a project of the National Campus and Community Radio Association. It was funded by CWA Canada, an all-media labor union representing nearly 7,000 members across Canada. EmergingMediaWorkers.ca I know that finding a job in Victoria, which is is very conservative, very white, has certain attitudes about it, especially being a tourist-based economy where, where people are working in retail and stuff like that and need to look a certain way or be a certain way, then, um, you know, I've, I've had a lot of trouble finding a job in this town. I didn't have that trouble before when I was presenting as a man. So I only had that problem once I came out and started identifying as a woman and more so started identifying as being an open trans person. Working in the public eye can be both a rewarding and stressful experience for most people. But what if your gender identity and expression don't match up with the binary ideas of male and female? How does that affect your experience in the workplace when things like audience, ratings, and public persona are part of your job realities? Transgender means having a gender identity or expression that doesn't match your assigned sex. Trans people often face discrimination or hatred because of their gender expression. In this documentary, we'll hear from two transgender broadcasters in Victoria about the experience of transitioning in the public eye, and also about using a very visible position in the community to help educate and offer support for people. Because my transition has been so easy for me, and I know it's difficult for a lot of people, some people lose their jobs, some people lose their families, some people lose the, everything. I realized at that point that I'm not going to you know, stay safe here. I'm going to tell my story whenever I can, especially to young people. We're from every walk of life. We're professors, we're broadcasters, we're nurses, we're doctors. We're just people that have had a really hard time um, you know, being born in a body that we weren't comfortable with. and didn't. Re- some of us, I didn't realize until I was 53 what was really going on. And luckily, I found out what was going on, and I feel so much better. So I I have an obligation to share that story with people, and I don't mind at all. James Gardner is a news anchor at CFAX Radio in Victoria, an AM talk radio station owned by Bell Media. A couple of years ago, James transitioned in the public eye. Um, I expected it to be harder. It was actually easier. It was a very smooth process, and um, I started off by just uh, going and talking to my, uh, my news director. He was very open. He brought HR in right away to talk to me about the process, and they actually looked to me to, to ask me what I needed and how I wanted to set this up. And um, because it's new for me, I didn't know either. So it was a learning process for both parties. HR was very, um, very much a, 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 an active part in it. I worked with the HR director closely. We decided that it was because we were in ratings at the time. We didn't want to throw off the audience in any way by changing names or changing anything up. So we waited for a couple of months. Um, I had the choice of going and coming out to the audience right away or waiting until ratings were over, and we decided to wait till ratings were over. So um, 
uh, in hindsight, I think it would have been better to maybe do some kind of announcement on the radio and maybe have the, I don't know, the news director come on and say, Sheila Gardner is now James Gardner on the air, but we chose not to. And uh, I came back and just signed on as James. And so from an inward uh, or from a on-site workplace point of view, it was a very easy transition. And I think nowadays, I think more HR departments and general managers are are, are more up on, I think, people of all genders and uh, more on diversity and that sort of thing. So it was an easier easier process than I expected. My concern um, was that I wanted people to be able to ask questions. And so um, I took the day off that day. I wrote a letter to my uh, fellow coworkers about what was going on and what some of my thoughts were. There wasn't really anything that came up. The one concern, and it never came up, was use of washroom. What washroom is James going to use? Well, it's it's going to be a little awkward for me to use the women's washroom after coming out as a trans man. And I thought the guys would have trouble with me using their washroom. And uh, I found out later that, no, it it wasn't an issue at all. Um, I made a a mountain out of a molehill, and uh, the human resources uh, manager, Wendy, gave me a bit of a briefing after, and she said, no, it never never even came up. He anchors the news during the day at a station with a broadcast footprint that extends into northern Washington state to pockets on the mainland of B.C. and up Vancouver Island. The CFAX audience can be tens of thousands of listeners during peak hours. We just told people when they called exactly what was happening. Um, We weren't trying to hide anything. I took a few calls myself, and once I explained to people what was going on, they were fine with it. They were, you know, we have an older audience here at CFAX, you know, anywhere up to people in their 80s and 90s. And I had people phoning in, and, and as long as you explained what was going on, they were fine with it. And, in fact, they they said, well, bless you and good luck on your journey and that sort of thing. Leading up to the transition, though, in meetings that I had with the general manager and my boss, uh, my news director, we didn't know what to expect. Victoria is a fairly liberal town, but we didn't know. Um, We had scenarios anywhere from people outside the station demonstrating. I mean, we, we didn't know. My concern at the time was are we going to have any advertisers pull out? It was just the opposite. We had, there was a guy who came in who's an advertiser to do an an ad. He came up to me and said how brave I was and how supportive he was and how much he enjoys CFAX. So it was a human story, and I think people like the fact that I was, you know, I'm not just a voice on the radio. Bell has an LGBTQ uh, committee, and it works out of uh, out of head office. And uh, I know the fellow that's uh, that's spearheading it right now, and we we're, we're working together um, to identify the needs that trans people have. And of course, we we can't do a poll across Bell, but I'm just giving them a template of what happened here at CFAX and what was helpful to me. But I think in any situation, if somebody comes out as transgender in the Bell Corporation, they'll probably go their own process. Um, But there were certain things that happened in my coming out process in Bell that I think would be helpful to other people, and they can use it within, uh, they they can have the the documentation and and can also talk to me or talk to our HR person. Their HR person can talk to our HR person and kind of, uh, you know, kind of look for similarities. As much as Bell is a very supportive organization, and I think they're starting to implement a lot of uh, diversity kind of programs, they didn't really have anything uh, for us to use as a template. 
And I, that's what I'd like to develop, is that there are other people in the Bell Corporation, I'm sure, that are either, you know, transgendered or homosexual, gay. And we have a diversity program within Bell, but I still think that there needs to be more of a hands-on. For me, I felt it was more of the location and the people that I worked with, uh, liberal-minded people. And I think uh, it might have been a different situation and maybe a different province and a different radio station. Um, and I, you know, going into it, I really didn't know what to expect, but I'm really glad that, that it went as well as it did. And that's kind of what I'm working on now is I'd like to see Bell have a program so that other people in my situation kind of know where to go and what to do immediately instead of having to kind of flounder around. Just going through the process, it's, it's, it's an eye-opener because I'm still getting used to the fact when I walk into a coffee shop or I'm in the airport and I get surred. You know, it's something I've always wanted to hear, but when I hear it, it still kind of yeah. surprises me. Um, I have to, you know, I have to be prepared that there are going to be people that, that are going to, to probably not understand it. It's not my job to make them understand it. Um, but most of the people that figure in my life do understand it. And, you know, I'm looking for opportunities where I can capture a teaching or a learning moment without pushing it on people. If they have questions, they can ask me. Um, I like to go in and, you know, talk to high school students and things like that um, about it when I'm asked. I just think that there is discrimination out there, but I think it's because people don't, don't have enough information. And, or they don't know a trans person, or they've never they've never really read anything about it. So you know, there's there's opportunities to I wouldn't say teach people because that's that's a little harsh, but to enlighten them on on my life and and how how it's working. It's Tuesday, 4 p.m., and it's time for Breaking Binary with Daphne Shaid, a woman with a penis. The following program contains opinions about sex, gender, sexuality, and compounding identities that may change your perception of gender binaries and break them down. You're listening to CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. We also stream live online in cfuv.uvic.ca. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. My name's Daphne Shayed, a woman with a penis, and... We're going to be talking about, as usual, sex, gender, and sexuality for the next hour. And we have some wonderful music I'm going to be playing exclusively today, Technova and Vaginal Daphne Shaid is a volunteer programmer at CFUV Radio in Victoria and hosts a show called Breaking Binary, which focuses on gender issues. CFUV has been really great. And I think part of that is because CFUV is also kind of immersed, it's immersed in current affairs. I think most media is aware of what's going on in society and different trends and stuff like that. And they're, they're more conscious in ways. And that may not necessarily be reflected in the, the kind of output of the media type. Um, you know, I'm not going to mention which ones, but, you know, I mean, there are media outlets that, that are definitely kind of biased in one way or another towards these certain types, but they, I think they know of them. And the other thing is, too, like the university environment. For me, coming into here, I mean, as usual, I gauged it. I was very kind of conscious of my being in this space, and I was also gauging people's responses and, and de- trying to determine for myself if this was like uh, a place where I could belong or if a place where I could carve out my own kind of space. And um, and everyone here has been really great and amazing. So um, I think it's one of the reasons that I've definitely like stayed and, and that I promote C- FUV as being a good place to, to volunteer and good place to work and good place, you know, good station to listen to. 
She explains that sizing up places is important when it comes to knowing how she will fit in and be received. I want to make sure that it's going to be somewhere where I can, you know, definitely grow and, and flourish and, and also be kind of, I guess, treated like everyone else is being treated, right? And I, I think that goes for any kind of marginalized identity. If you know that you have a kind of less than, than I guess, hegemonic ideal type, then, you know, if you're, if you're queer, if you're trans, if you're a person of color, if you're indigenous, if you're, um, you know, uh, Muslim or if you're Hindu or if you're those different things, when you come into um, places, then, you know, in the West here, you're going to definitely, I think, be aware that those are, are things that are discriminated against in some places or, or there's ex- or prejudices against them. Because prejudice is the idea and then discrimination is the, the action through prejudice. So I was kind of just like looking around and, and thinking, you know, is this a place where I'm going to be able to belong and function mm-hmm. without having drama? Before, I didn't really do that because um, I did it in different ways. I didn't necessarily do it regarding my, my gender or my trans self. But part of that is, is when I go into places, I always like to say, I always like to introduce myself and say that I'm Daphne Shahid and I'm a woman with a penis and then see what people's reactions are, you know, because to me, it's like, is this going to be a, a shock reaction or is this going to be like, um, oh, that's funny, you know, or, you know, is it going to be like a more laid back response? I mean, part of that is going to be a good kind of measure of uh, what kind of environment I'm in, right? <laughs> and, I mean, I think uh, the folks at CFUV have always been really kind of like supportive of all the stuff that I've been doing. So that's really cool too. And I really appreciate that. She also has a YouTube channel where she posts videos about gender issues. She sees the role of her show and YouTube channel as a way to cultivate discussion and provide information for people who may be going through similar experiences that she went through. The first, I guess the first place I came out was to a computer. Now I'm a computer geek. So that maybe that's not a surprise, you know, (laughs) I came out online, I guess. I felt like the more information that's out there is the better. And I think it should be free as well. And so I thought, well, you know, I could make YouTube videos and I could write a blog and I could help people in that way and, and put myself out there because I thought, well, it's really important. I mean, I had so much trouble finding information that I was like, okay, I'm just going to put it out there because the more people that do it, the more likelihood somebody's going to find it and then they're going to see it and, and maybe it'll help them. Maybe it won't, you know, and I've had so much feedback. Like I have people from, from all over the place um, emailing me or, or asking questions and, um, you know, totally relevant questions. And then I have other people that are just, um, mean and cruel and don't have anything nice to say at all. I think that the video that I have the most hits on is, is the video where I talk about castration because I had a bilateral orchiectomy done in Duncan. I had my testicles removed. I don't personally want to go through with vaginoplasty and all the other surgeries or anything like that, like that might be considered within uh, the scope of being a trans woman, um, because I think I can be a woman with a penis. We went to Duncan and a a, a urologist uh, there did it for me in in the hospital. And we also approached the hospital and, and the doctor and wanted them to take pictures and all this kind of stuff because I thought, oh, here's a good opportunity because I looked up uh, castration. I looked up bilateral orchiectomy. I looked up these surgeries and I couldn't find anything because when you type in castration into, into Google, you end up getting like dogs and, and cats and stuff, right? And yeah. I was like, no, human castration. And then, then you end up with like weird porn sites. <laughs> and so I was like, I want to put something out there that's going to like be for somebody like me that's just wants some information on what are the effects of this and how does it work. And, and so... I had them take pictures, uh, which they did with their super high-definition hospital camera, which mm-hmm. is amazing. And so then afterwards, I posted 
um, I posted a picture. Uh, like I, I stripped down and I showed uh, exactly where they cut, and I showed the pictures of the surgery and the process, and I talked about going into the hospital and being put to sleep and all this kind of stuff. And and you know, seventy or eighty thousand people have watched the one that's currently on YouTube, wow. and the one that I'd posted before. Um, because I, I edited it and I took the other one down, but the other one had, I think about 60,000 views. So it's had about 140,000 views in, in like three years. When it comes to inclusivity in the workplace, James says while transitioning, communicating with coworkers and having supportive management helped make the process easier. The coming out process, how are you going to come out? Are you going to go to each employee or coworker that you work with and tell them you're transgendered? Um, is it a big company? Is it a big TV and radio station? Is it small? If it's small, you might want to come out in the workforce individually with people. Um, you know, I did a lot of reading. I compiled a lot of information. I think I can share that information with other, with other um, Bell media outlets. But there's no one way, one size fits all when you're coming out. Things that really helped me were just having buy-in, you know, from, from the radio station, from the management. And they were certainly on my, on my side with that one. Buy-in from my general manager is, you know, he didn't really have to say it because I knew the people I worked with. But he said, you know, there will be zero tolerance as far as any kind of discrimination or bullying or anything like that. But we knew that. So we didn't, he didn't really have to, to say it. Anne-Marie Long is a human rights expert who worked with the UVic Human Rights and Equity Office. She has some suggestions for workplaces aiming to be trans-friendly. Be inclusive or as inclusive as you can from the get-go. You know, assume that trans people are in your workforce, even if you don't know of any. Create practices where... You always use inclusive language. Ensure your communication strategies and forms allow for gender diversity. So, for example, using things like people of all genders rather than men or women. Using options beyond the M box and F box on your forms if you even ask about gender in the first place. Better at yet, you know, believe it out completely when possible. Most of the time when we're asking about what they often call sex on a form, it's not actually even really relevant. If you need to ask it, make sure you're asking it in the most inclusive way. Things like using inclusive pronouns for everyone. Oftentimes, people use they as a single gender-neutral pronoun. And so starting with an environment that is inclusive for everyone will certainly make the trans folks in your environment feel more included and also will help recruit people to recruit a more diverse workforce to your, your institution. It's something that's evolving, and I think that people need that training, and they need to gain that understanding of how do I interact with this person, especially since we're moving more and more towards the idea that if self-identity is going to overrule the visual expression, I'm non-passing, like I always say I'm like a non-passing um, trans woman, um, meaning that I do get misgendered or I people do see me as being a male body expressing myself as a woman, right? For me, it's, it's like, oh, my self-identity has to overwrite that expression or, or what people are assuming. And so to overwrite those assumptions that we have about people is very hard because we're so trained to look at people and judge them in an instant. We're so trained to look at somebody and go friend or foe or or boss or coworker or family or dangerous or like um, friendly or passive or whatever. We're constantly doing that. 
that. And there's people that are like, oh, we should just do away with labels. And I, I love hippies, but I mean, that's just a really, <laughs> to me, that's just, no, we can't do away with labels because we are labeling creatures. That's just what we do. I mean, at our fundamental base level, we label and we categorize and we put things in hierarchies. And, and these are things that we do that are almost, I think, in a way, primal. At CFUV, Kay Gallivan is the Women's Collective Coordinator. She also helped develop more inclusive gender policy for the UVic Women's Center, a feminist space open to all self-identified women on campus. She points out that even within so-called safe spaces, there is resistance to true inclusivity. There are a lot of feminists who have really antagonistic views towards trans people in general, as well as trans women, or, you know, maybe even not necessarily antagonistic in their view, but some people don't think that trans people even exist, like, like, or that, you know, like trans women are really men or, or like, you know, that there are streams of feminism that have been really unwelcoming, in, in my opinion, to, to trans people and really have misunderstood their, their challenges. CFUV has a specific mandate as a campus community radio station to represent and give voice to underrepresented communities. Kay says people who identify as trans or a non-conforming gender continue to be a minority. I see a lot of women interacting within CFUV and, and having a really good time of it. What I don't see quite as much is the kinds of communities that the Women's Center was noticing that we weren't getting participation from. For example, trans women, as well as people who maybe are female-bodied but are more androgynous in their gender presentation or, you know, just be, like people in general that don't have traditional presentation within their gender or, or are like experimenting with different gender presentations and stuff like that. Those are the kinds of communities that I don't see a ton of currently at CFUV, whereas I see a lot of women participating really openly. Esquimalt Wandafuca NDP Member of Parliament Randall Garrison proposed Bill C-279, which passed in the House of Commons in 2013. It seeks to bring protection to trans people under the Criminal Code and the Canada Human Rights Act. Garrison is also the New Democrat LGBTQ critic. Uh, C-279 does two things. It amends the Canadian Human Rights Code to add explicit protection for gender identity. Uh, the human rights tribunals and the courts have tended to find that all discrimination, no matter what kind, is illegal in Canada. But it will be very helpful to have explicit protection, both in terms of public education and in terms of the ease of making a case in the courts. If it's something is listed specifically, you don't have to go and prove its discrimination. You don't have to prove it's like other kinds of discrimination. You simply proceed with the case. So that's the, the one part is the amendment to the Canadian Human Rights Code. Uh, the most important part there is probably identity documents uh, like passports. And there's lots of problems right now for transgender people in getting new passports issued. And this will wipe those away. Uh, the second part is, as I mentioned, the hate crime section of the criminal code. And so the hate crime section of the criminal code has been amended. It was amended in Bill C-13 uh, just last year. And I attempted to add protection for transgender people to Bill C-13. And again, a tiny minority, this time in the House of Commons, blocked that in the Justice Committee. Um, so uh, very, very important, uh, both, again, in terms of society denouncing hate crimes uh, against uh, transgender people and allowing judges to add additional penalties to those whose um, violent crimes were motivated by hatred against transgender people. 
Bill C-279 has passed twice at the House of Commons, but has remained stalled at the Senate level. In my worst case scenario where it doesn't get through the Senate this time, we're going to have an election in October. I do not believe there will be a conservative majority after the next election, and we will pass it again. Uh, and it'll go to the Senate again. So this is this is not going to stop here. It's not going to be a permanent defeat. Uh, best case scenario, they'll listen to this broad coalition of civil society organizations. Uh, and in particular, uh, both the CLC and faith communities have been very strong in saying it's time for the Senate to act and, and pass this bill. So best case scenario, uh, sometime, maybe May or June, uh, this will be enacted into law. Conservative Senator Don Platt was quoted in the Globe and Mail saying that, quote, if my five-year-old granddaughter doesn't want to be in a bathroom with a biological male, what's her option? End quote. He was further quoted saying, quote, whose rights do we trump by giving someone else rights? End quote. Anne-Marie Long has a response for that kind of criticism surrounding this bathroom question. You know, when you look at someone in a, in a washroom, what you need to judge is their behavior, not their appearance. I, as a cisgender woman, could go into a women's washroom and be climbing on the toilets, looking over the stalls, and although I, quote-unquote, belong there as a cisgender woman, my behavior is certainly questionable and inappropriate. What we should be evaluating is someone's behavior, how they're acting, not how they present in, in a washroom. And usually people can, when, when they view it using that lens, can see that trans people using washrooms or multi-user washrooms, multi-gendered or non-gendered washrooms like we have in the student union building at UVic are not a threat. Despite the bill being stalled at the Senate level, a garrison is still optimistic. It's not entirely a sad story because since we began this debate at the national level, uh, in the first year we had Ontario, Manitoba and Nova Scotia add gender identity protection to their human rights codes. And since then we've had uh, Newfoundland, PEI and Saskatchewan. So we now have a majority of the provinces. Of course, the uh, Northwest Territories, to give them credit, has had protection in their human rights code since 2002. Hmm. So we're approaching uh, the point where provinces who failed to act are a minority. And so um, we will take some credit in the federal parliament. The fact that we got it through the federal parliament with a conservative majority encouraged uh, people to make the same attempts at the provincial level. So we are making progress. I've seen uh, various things happening both at the municipal level um, in terms of uh, anti-discrimination uh, ordinances at the municipal level. Uh, but I, I think there are a couple things that are important at the federal level. One is that's where the hate crimes protection comes in. And the group that uh, we estimate is the most subject to hate crimes and violent hate crimes in the country. First of all, gays and lesbians and transgender people, but specifically transgender Canadians. So while we can make progress, especially in the labor area through the provincial codes, uh, uh, the hate crime section of the criminal code is very, very important. And he says Bill C-279 remains a priority for him. It's the, the one thing that I, I would like to see done. I think it's both symbolically important and practically important. It's a, a, a gap in Canadian human rights uh, legislation that I think we need to fill. And uh, again, it started in the House of Commons in 2005. And so 10 years later, it's time. A Law Foundation of British Columbia report in 1996 says it's a necessary step to make it illegal to discriminate against trans people and to give them a remedy if they're discriminated against, but adds a public education program is also key to ending that discrimination. Many unions now have policies surrounding transgender rights in the workplace, and more and more employers have working groups or committees to develop policy and become more inclusive. For more information on trans rights, you can visit egal.ca. 
For a booklet on the human rights complaint process for transgender people in BC, you can visit barbarafinlay.com. This was a MediaWorks documentary. To check out the project website, go to media-works.org. It includes original labor reporting and a handbook to help protect media workers' rights and improve labor coverage in community media outlets like this one. 